right, welcome to another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Struco. I'm a professor of communication at Hiram College, and with me, as always, is Andrew White. He's a professor of psychology and the coordinator of the sport management program at Hiram College. Andrew, how are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Awesome, just awesome. Well, lots to talk about this week. Uh, baseball is underway. NBA season just got underway. And, of course, you specialize in sport performance and those kinds of issues, dealing with, I guess, rehabilitation from injuries and that kind of thing. And I saw a story. Former Cleveland Indian Corey Kluber uh, has to miss some significant time because earlier this week uh, he was diagnosed with a grade 2 tear of a big muscle on the backside of his shoulder. Surgery is not planned, but Kluber will receive platelet-rich plasma, and he'll be shut down from throwing for a minimum of four weeks. And that would take Kluber to the end of August, make it difficult for him to to build back up as a starter by the end of this shortened Major League Baseball season. And sad news for Kluber because last year he took some significant time off from baseball because of a right ulna fracture in May. It was later shut down in August by an oblique strain. So this is a guy who's had the injury bug as of late and really tough for someone who's had some significant downtime due to injury to come back, get on the hill, and all of a sudden be shut down again. And I, I got to wonder, like, mentally, for a guy who's a great pitcher to have to deal with that and, you know, want to get back on the mound and all of a sudden have to sit back down again to injury. If you could talk about the mentally how rough that is. Yeah, and especially for somebody who, I don't know, he was like at the mountaintop, right? And then uh, the peak of his career, it seemed like, and then it just kind of cratered under him with the injuries. And one after the other, uh, it's it's going to have an impact. And, I mean, the way he's thinking about the game could change as well. Maybe not permanently, just for a little bit. And thinking about his rehab and all of that and, and that that can then feed into the emotional side of it and it's not just feeling frustrated but even some elements of sadness or depression could uh, start to creep in because you know he, he's losing a major part of who he is by not being able to play the game that he's I mean as his career it's his passionate hobby all of it at once uh, and yeah it, it's kind of a potentially a vicious cycle especially when you're going through injury after injury after injury it'll be interesting to see how the rangers handle this if he does not have the surgery and he's looking to try to come back toward the end of the season uh, if they're able to maybe get him into some sort of setup role uh, which is going to be a very different role as a pitcher instead of being a starter to maybe come in for an inning or two uh, but that would give him a chance to throw a little bit. Uh, obviously, that's going to be after a stint in the minor leagues. So it it's curious to me that they would try, if they try, to bring him back for this shortened season unless they really think they've got a chance to win it all. You know, that's a great point. I think with the abbreviated season, I think that's going to impact a lot of decision-making regarding injuries. I, I think in this case, with you know having to take a month off and no surgery required, and I, I think that's one of those things where I, I can't relate to this having a shoulder injury or something with a throwing motion, but I've suffered like a severely sprained ankle. I took a month off running, and it took me a long time to get my lungs back 
and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just thought, especially in this particular case, just take the rest of the season off, you know, recover for next year. It isn't worth, I think, trying to rush it back to whatever, get in a, the last month, whatever, month and a half, two months of baseball just to get back to play. And I, I, I think it's better to err on the side of caution in this particular issue. Yeah, and especially somebody, I mean, he had the ulna fracture, came back, had the oblique strain, came back. Now he's got the shoulder injury. And, you know, if he rushes back or if they try to rush him back, I, I don't expect that they would try to rush it. But what's next? If he's not giving his body enough time to recover and get back into the shape he needs to be in, maybe it's his elbow next time and that it just keeps becoming more and more risky for the rest of his career whatever happens definitely wish him the best former cleveland indian and definitely a fan favorite and a great follow on twitter uh so definitely hope he can recover let's talk about another baseball story in which some players are going to be sitting out but not for shoulder injuries Major League Baseball has told the Miami Marlins to take the rest of this week off as the team deals with a COVID-19 outbreak. The league announced earlier this week, uh, Miami's season has been put on pause until Monday, August 3rd, while the league has shuffled the schedule of three other teams so that Miami's break won't interfere with the league's 60-game season. Miami's home opener against Baltimore last Monday and the home game against the O's on Tuesday had been previously postponed after over a dozen members of the Marlins organization tested positive for COVID-19 over the last five days. Miami, which played a three-game set against the Phillies in Philadelphia over the weekend, last weekend was supposed to visit Baltimore this past Wednesday and Thursday and then host the Nationals in Miami on Friday through Sunday. And, wow, you know, we'll, we'll get to the differences between the NBA and Major League Baseball, but... When you're playing this many games in such a short span and 60 game, a 60 game season, I, I just logistically, it's, I can't even imagine the nightmare of having to reschedule and what have you. But I'm, I'm just wondering yeah. if all the contingency plans have been put in place. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wonder what's going on with their planning process because, you know, they played the Phillies on Sunday, I think the 26th was their last game, and everything's suspended for them until the 3rd. So I'm not sure where they got a 7- to 8-day quarantine rule. It doesn't really fit CDC. I just don't quite understand why they decided on that, other than... That's the most time we can let you have off and still squeeze in your games in time. And I, I just don't think this is going to be a one-off thing. The way they've got their season set up, it's there don't seem to be enough guardrails. So what happens the next time this happens to the same team or a different team? You've already set a precedent for you're going to have a week or so off. And I, I just worry about the snowball effect of that. If there's any of the professional sports that I think, in my opinion, that needs to have a consistent, reliable schedule, it's baseball. Because you typically work on a five-starter pitching rotation. And I covered sports long enough that when you have rain delays, when you have a pitcher gets hurt or someone pitches out of rotation on not the same amount of rest they're used to, 
that can throw things severely off. So if mm-hmm. that's why I'm just curious about, okay, are they going to be on the same schedule or are you going to have to whatever, put your number three starting pitcher. Now he'll have to go in the rotation. Now you're going to have to give your number two or number four guy, whatever, 10 days rest, and they're going to be a little rusty. So there's so much there, I think, with baseball that you have to consider. Yeah, and this season is already going to be influenced by uh, more randomness, more luck than typical. Just the fact that they're playing 100 fewer games. You know, typically teams will kind of regress to the mean, I guess. They may have a hot streak, they may have a cold streak, but in the end you get a roughly accurate picture of the team's talent level. When we're down to 60 games, you lose some of that uh averaging out over the long term so anything like this all of this random moving of games and adjustment of pitching schedules and rest it, it can lead to some wonky outcomes this season it's going to be interesting to see where it ends up so let's discuss another professional sports league the national basketball association they resumed play last night and last monday they announced that their latest round of testing produced zero positive covid19 cases The results are based on testing of 346 players within the Disney World bubble since results were last announced on July 13th. Those tests produced two positive cases out of 322 players that were tested on July 7th. Players who tested positive in the initial round of bubble testing were in quarantine and left the bubble to self-isolate. According to the NBA, those players were not identified. And from what I saw from highlights last night, good start to the NBA, some excitement, Clippers and Lakers went down to the wire, but back to the reality of what we're dealing with so far, the NBA is, they got it going well. They, they've, they're handling the coronavirus well, and seems like testing is doing its thing. So it, it sounds like the only thing they've had to deal with so far from what I've read is the Disney world support staff is going in and out. So that's the only thing they're having to deal with. Otherwise, seems like the teams, players, staff, they're kind of quarantined or sequestered in their bubble. So they're the minimal amount of, they get the minimal amount of outside contact. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you contrast that with what the MLB is doing, and it's a drastically different situation. And they seem to have things pretty well controlled as much as they can. Um, if players leave their bubble for whatever reason, there have been a few players who left for uh, urgent family matters and they come back, they have to go into a quarantine. It's minimum 10 days, I believe. Uh, and or Well, they have a minimum date and then they, they adjust it based on what they know the player was out doing. It's, it stinks if you're going to miss some games because you went out, but that's the decision that you have to make. And they're trying to protect the integrity of the rest of their season, their playoffs, and the safety of everyone around. So they're doing what they can, and it, it seems like so far they've done a nice job with that. Uh, your point about the the Disney employees is a good point because you can't really control their comings and goings. You're on their property, and they aren't your employees. So uh, there's a lot of people coming in and out of that bubble. Maybe it's more of a web, and something slipped through. Uh, you just got to hope you're containing uh, that contact as best you can and people are actually wearing their masks. My 
curiosity, and because there's so much more intimate and physical contact playing the sport of basketball than, say, baseball. And so that's why this whole pandemic is a curiosity to me. So it seems like NFL football players are returning back to camp. So I'm curious the amount of physical activity, how much that will impact or, you know, terms of negative or positive test results but so far it sounds like the NBA is uh, on top of things it sounds like things are going well so far Mm -hmm. yeah so far it does seem to be going pretty well and there are actually two good games on that opening night they had two two two-point games before the Clippers Lakers we had uh, Jazz Pelicans so two great games awesome This is Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strugel, joined with Andrew White and switching to football. And I saw a story about Cam Newton, and he's uh, proud of his vegan lifestyle, or or vegan, however you pronounce it. I'm not sure on that. I've heard it different ways. But he has said that even an athlete, as an elite athlete, he doesn't need animal products to get enough protein and nutrients to perform well and build muscle. He credits his plant-based diet for boosting his health, Although critics speculate whether it has slowed his recovery and performance. Uh, Not sure what to say about this because I love to do distance running and all that. And I I know the importance of nutrition. And I'm not sure whether or not uh, science, what it says one way or the other. But uh, what do you know, Andrew, in terms of how much can diet actually impact performance? Provided you stay off (laughs) sugary drinks and chips and pizza yeah uh, so, uh, also not a nutritionist and uh, so uh, maybe take that in con- into consideration here but it, it can have an effect assuming you are getting the nutrients you need uh, without getting the proper nutrition then you're more likely to fatigue faster the, the quicker you fatigue the more at risk of injury you are uh, that's just one example but I well, one I don't know Cam Newton's original decision-making process and why he chose the vegan diet for him, or if it was just a curiosity someone told him to try it out, and now he's stuck with it. But I'm willing to bet that he or the organization has nutritionists working with him to make Mm. sure he's getting what he needs in order to compete and recover and all of that. I have no doubts that he's actually getting what he needs to be at the elite level that he is. You know, great. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, people kind of might criticize if uh, he's slow to come back from an injury, that shoulder injury uh, that you mentioned, was that two years ago? Uh, it, it's easy to look back on things and say, oh, well, if you would have done this differently, you would have recovered easier. But there's no way to test that. We have no way. He may have been eating steak four times a day and still had uh, the same recovery time from an injury. So there's no way to test something like that. Hindsight is always going to give us a different opinion. You brought up a great point, too. And I'm sure that uh, New England has a nutritionist or that Carolina has had a nutritionist. And I've seen stories about big-time college programs like Ohio State, they have nutritionists and all that. But, you know, the stress that we, we don't know what we're dealing with here in terms of whatever proteins or calories he's taking in or what have you. But nutrition is definitely an important part of an athlete and their, I guess, how they maintain their motor. 
moving on to another story, and this one involves football. Uh, this is something that grinds my gears a little bit, and I saw this earlier this week about the NFL has released its top 100 players. Now, the players vote on this. Pat Mahomes was voted fourth, or he ranked fourth in the voting, and there's been a lot of reaction to this on social media, and they're like, okay, here's a great quarterback, MVP, blah, 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 blah. And I've seen stories like this. I've seen stories about, okay, what's their rating or what are their what's their speed level in Madden or what what are their attributes in a video game? And I see people post, and even athletes will say, oh, man, I can't believe I got played like this in a video game or I can't believe – this is what they say my speed or my hands are rated as. And I, I, I don't know. Are, I, I'm just puzzled why this is even such a big deal. Why is this on the radar? Yeah. The video game thing, that blows my mind. Maybe the NFL 100 I can kind of get because voter, the voters are your peers in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, to me, these both fall in the same category, whether it's top 100 or Madden ratings or anything along those lines. And it kind of makes me think about their root motivations for playing. And when you're, I don't know, publicly outraged or you know, chatting about your rankings and your abilities on Madden, it seems more about um, your image and your persona. And, you know, we have different motives, right? Like some people are highly motivated just for the competition's sake and to show that I am better than someone else. Other people are more motivated by self-improvement. And, yeah, well, I had an 80% on my speed. But, hey, in the last season's uh, game, I was, I don't know, 76. So I've improved and people are noticing that improvement. <laughs> I'm good with that. And, you know, we're going to have a little bit of both, but it's just an interesting practical example of how that plays out with the things people care about. Yeah, I've never, I, I don't know. I, I can remember, and I've quit playing video games years ago, and I think the last games, I had Sega Genesis, I've had a Wii, yeah. and my big thing, I used to play like a whole season on Super Tecmo Bowl, and I always played as the Miami Dolphins. I would go through the season. And, of course, Dan Marino was the quarterback for mobility. It was it, His mobility was terrible. Arm strength was great. But when I would play the game I would, and I would get, like, in a goal line situation, I would call for, like, a quarterback keeper around the end just, just to, like, throw it in the game's face and say, look, I, I ran a touchdown in with Dan Marino on horrible mobility. So I, I'd love to have fun with games like that. Dan Marino, four rushing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely not the fleet of foot. And it, it's weird because I think in that game, I think his, I think his backup was Bernie Kosar. So not oh. <laughs> a foot race between them might require a sundial uh, to time. <laughs> it's not that good. Uh, that kind of wraps up all I have on my agenda. Do you have anything you want to bring up this week? No, I don't think so. Oh, maybe let me touch on one thing, because we've talked about COVID-19 here, and I've gone on a couple social media rants. And my biggest thing, especially from a communication standpoint, is that if you see something on social media, pardon me for getting on my soapbox for a second, if you see something on social media 
it might seem a little questionable. Google it. <laughs> Find out if something is true. Verify it. Check the sources. Uh, if someone is telling you that a malaria drug will treat something, <laughs> see who's saying that. Back it up with several yeah. sources or evidence. Does the New England Journal of Medicine support it? Do Does the country's lead infectious disease experts support this opinion. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, Andrew, I'm, I'm just blown away at the amount of misinformation that's shared on social media, and it's dangerous. I mean, I, I'm, yes. I'm not a health yes. expert, but I, I'm just saying that there are people who, not very media literate, who would buy what they see on social media and take it as gospel, and it, it's scary to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a... Uh, uh, <laughs> global or at least national failure of critical thinking. I mean, it, it doesn't take that much to check out information, but it, it's much easier to accept things at face value. And a simple Google search starts the process. But then you have to remember that there's paid advertisements at the top of Google. So you have to search through those results a little bit and not search through to try to find what you're looking for, but find some diverse opinions and see if there's any sort of consensus on a particular topic. Amen. Um, yeah, amen, yeah. especially diverse opinions, because I ran into this issue when I was fact-checking some stuff on social media, and I saw one particular thing. I Googled it, and there were a few hits on it, but they all came from the same side of the political aisle, and I thought... Okay, not very diverse. Then when I clicked on some of those websites, they were basically sharing the same article word for word. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> There's not much validity or credibility to this. So, yeah, it takes a couple extra seconds, but I just wish people would do themselves the favor and just verify this stuff before sharing it, reposting it, what have you. And just it's, it's too dangerous out there for people who lack medical knowledge to just take this as gospel. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. My name is David Strugel. Andrew, thanks again. A lot of good stuff, and we'll see where we are in two weeks. And we're getting close to the fall semester, so maybe yeah. we'll have some back-to-school hints or tips as uh, we get close yeah. to the wrapping up this summer break. Sounds great. All right, uh, stay safe, everyone. That wraps up another edition of Inside the Athlete's Mind. Thank you for listening. 